Welcome back to what will probably be a pretty sombre episode of the Big Footy Piecast. It's been a strange week in the sporting world. I woke up this morning, the whole Christian Eriksen thing. I'm not a soccer fan at all, but that was just absolutely horrifying to watch. Uh, I mean, on a bit of a more lighter note, I guess, or more positive note, Rafa Nadal losing at the French Open to Novak. Uh, he just never does. I mean, it's his third loss in his career at Roland Garros, so that was strange. And, of course, earlier in the week for uh, Collingwood fans and in the AFL, Nathan Buckley stepping down as Collingwood coach after so long uh, being associated with the Collingwood Football Club, and Nathan Buckley will always be associated with the Collingwood Football Club. But in terms of a working relationship between the footy club and Bucks, that looks to be over on Monday uh, against Melbourne. Hopefully the boys can get up one last time for him. But uh, yeah, just really, I guess, a surprising decision on the back of a win last weekend against the Crows. And obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you usually think that uh, my normal rundown, I guess, is to dissect and review the previous week's game uh, and then look forward to what can be approved upon and what may happen uh, in the upcoming weekend's game. But I'm going to stick away from that. Um, This is basically just going to be a celebration of Nathan Buckley, the Collingwood person, really, rather than look into it too much from a a general footballing perspective in terms of last week's game and this week's game. And, yeah, I I just want it to be a celebration of Bucks. I don't want to get into should he or shouldn't if he stepped down. Did he step down or was he pushed? Uh, I'm not going to get into that. I also find it disrespectful to discuss potential replacements. I mean, I have discussed potential replacements in private uh, in other conversations with mates and whatnot, but I also almost, when I have those discussions, feel a bit disrespectful because until Monday at 6 o'clock or whatever, Nathan Buckley is still the coach of the Collingwood Football Club. And... Yeah, it's just, it's no matter how you put it, no matter what you think of Nathan Buckley as a coach, it's a sad time. Uh, it it really, really is. There's no other way to put it. I don't want to compare it to you know someone dying and, and kind of going to a funeral, but it's the same kind of themes and feelings, but you know just not to the extremities. I guess it is sad uh, because it's the end of something, and it's the end of. What's been a great uh, period for the, the Collingwood Football Club with Bucks there, and uh, it is sad, but it's also a celebration of what Bucks has meant to the Collingwood faithful, what he's meant to the club, what he meant to his teammates while he was a player, and what he's meant to the players he's coached over you know what's been a really long period at the Collingwood Football Club. So I want to start and get into my memories of Bucks throughout the years. Uh, and I'm going to start with a clip, probably one of the earliest memories in my life. Johnson, as the sun begins to shine at the MCG, kicks it straight to Lockyer, to Buckley, who unloads from 55 metres out! Buckley's gone! an article earlier in the week uh, for insidefeed.com.au you can go check it out if you like but I just want to I guess delve into what I wrote on Wednesday because I often find I can convey my thoughts and feelings into writing a lot better than I can 
kind of verbal communication. Um, but obviously, doing this episode, I did want to kind of delve into what I wrote uh, in that article. And I'm often fascinated by the memories of different individuals, how far they go back. Uh, and, you know, I always ask people, what is your earliest memory of life? What, like, how far can you go back? Because I kind of feel like I don't really have a great memory. Uh, I was born in 1997, so I uh, have not known the Collingwood Football Club without Nathan Buckley. It's just, that's foreign to me, apart from the couple of years between him retiring as a player and then coming back, um, firstly as an assistant coach, and then obviously the succession plan uh, came into fruition. But yeah, I, I don't know the Collingwood Football Club without Nathan Buckley, and if you ask me, if you were to ask me what are my earliest memories of life, there's only two things that I can vividly remember before the age of six. I, I can't think of anything else. And as I said, I, I don't have the greatest memory. Uh, even if you ask me before the age of 10, what can you vividly remember? It's probably these two things. The first one, I think I might have been, yeah, four or five, probably four. And I think it was probably my first trip to Luna Park in Melbourne, uh, obviously being from Hobart, and I just remember lining up for a ride, and uh, I was with with my old man, and it was quite a long lineup for this particular ride at Luna Park, and uh, at the front of the line was his father, and the rest of his family, I think he had two kids and a wife, were standing behind uh, a few people down from uh, myself and my dad, and the, the father tried to motion uh, his wife and children to come up to the front of the line to get on the ride. And I just remember Dad basically being the only one that that arced up and was just like, hey, you can't do that. Piss off. Like, if you want to go on the ride with your family, you come down and join them at basically the back of the line. They can't just go up and join you at the front of the line. It's not how it works. So I just remember Dad getting in a bit of a verbal altercation with... uh, with this gentleman who I couldn't picture, but I can just vividly remember that happening when I was about four years old. You know, the second one and more on to uh, this episode, I guess, is the 2002 grand final. I was uh, I was five years old, and uh, I remember watching that game uh, at my aunt and uncle's house. And every colonial game as a kid, I used to get like really up. So it was probably not until the age of seven or eight where I stopped crying when Collingwood lost the game of football. And it didn't matter if it was round one or grand final. I would just bore my eyes out if if Collingwood lost the game of footy. Uh, and I couldn't bear to watch them losing a lot of the time as well. If if they were down, say, five goals at three-quarter time, I'd just go out and into the cold sack and kick the footy myself kind of thing. It was uh, I always used to get really sad about it. And I just remember 2002 grand final. I remember... Sitting at my aunt and uncle's, obviously, when you're at someone's house watching the game, you can't really leave. Like, I can't go and kick the footy in the cul-de-sac necessarily because I'm not at home. Uh, and I just remember bawling my eyes out uh, when we lost by nine points in what is still one of the great grand finals of this century. And uh, I just look back at that game, and uh, I, I did write about it a little bit in the article and just just said it was a, it was men against boys. Really, I look back at the two teams and I just wonder how we even got that close. Like that was an extraordinary effort to only lose to get so close and nearly beat that Brisbane Lions dynasty. They obviously won three premierships, 
played uh, in another grand final in 2004 against Port Adelaide. Like, one of the great teams of the modern eras. And you look at that midfield with Voss and Black and Ackermanis, Nigel Lappin. You look up four with Jonathan Brown and Alistair Lynch. And you just look... I mean, Anthony Rocker kicked four goals for us. In a pretty, it was a pretty low-scoring game, so that was a great effort. But other than that, I mean, Bucks was literally a man amongst boys out there for the Collingwood Footy Club. He nearly single-handedly dragged us over the line. And obviously that clip you heard before, that goal, just if you if you win that game, if Collingwood were to win that game and Bucks is a Norm Smith medalist for a winning side, like that goal goes down in folklore. Unfortunately, we didn't win. And so people don't necessarily talk about it. But that was absolutely amazing. His game was absolutely amazing. And what I love about Bucks as a player, now I was really young. I kind of missed his prime from a week-to-week aspect. As I said, I can vividly remember you know, watching that 2002 grand final, but, you know, 2003, I don't remember watching, like, obviously I watched it week to week, but I don't vividly remember doing that kind of thing. Uh, So I missed a lot of his prime, but when you go back and watch, uh, and when you go back and look at the stats for, you know, particularly this 2002 grand final, he had 32 disposals, which is great, but it's not uncommon for this modern age of footy where players seem to rack up the ball more more than you know they did pass so I think you've got to look at 32 disposals and think yeah that's a pretty good effort from for back then uh but what I was more astounded about was that of those 32 disposals he had 28 kicks 28 kicks and that I think described him as a player was not only could he get the ball but he could also go forward take a mark overhead kick a goal and he was just an impact player with the ball in hand. And, you know, too too much nowadays you see blokes who might get the ball 40 times, but they have 25 handballs and all their handballs go backwards or sideways kind of thing. And they're still great players, but they don't have the impact of a Nathan Buckley who can roost the ball 60 metres low and flat, who kicks it 28 times in the grand final. Like... It's absolutely extraordinary. I mean, I looked at the stats and you look at all these Brisbane players and all the guns they had, and then we have Bucks getting 32. Next highest is Ryan Loney with 21. And a lot of people, especially if you're younger viewers, might not even have heard of Ryan Loney before. Like, that's that's kind of the demonstration of the difference in class between those two teams. So the fact we got within nine points is a huge credit to Mick Malthouse, you know, Anthony Rocker for kicking four up forward, but... Nathan Buckley winning the Norman Smith medal. And I also said on Twitter earlier, I said, for uh, for a guy named or nicknamed Fig Jam coming into the league, the fact he took the Norman Smith medal off on the podium and said, I don't want to be wearing a medal around my neck if all my teammates aren't. He, he, he demonstrated a team-first approach from that day, if not earlier, to right now and the end of his coaching career now in 2021. So, yeah, apart from that grand final, obviously my days of watching Nathan Buckley and remembering Nathan Buckley as a footballer, you know, obviously he won the Brownlow, as I said, in 2003, but it really, I guess I did miss his prime. Uh, But there's no doubt that in my lifetime, the three best Collingwood footballers are in no particular order Nathan Buckley, Scott Pendlebury, Dane Swan. I think that those three in the last 25 years are far and away 
the best Collingwood footballers there have been. And I don't think anyone could potentially argue it. I just don't think they could. So for him, obviously an absolute grade of the Collingwood Football Club as a player. And I just think we we always note the fact that he hasn't won a premiership, neither as a player or as a coach. But you've also got to remember, and what people don't re- recall, is how well he played in that 2002 grand final. People don't recall that. They just look at him and think, oh, he hasn't won a premiership. Well, if you look at those two teams on paper, Brisbane and Collingwood, in 2002, I'm, I'm amazed that we got within nine points. I am. It was an incredible effort. He played amazingly, but kicked that amazing goal. But people won't recall that. They won't. They'll just always point to the fact he hasn't won a premiership. It's the same as 2018 as a coach. I mean, I went and watched round one. We were terrible against Hawthorne. Lost by five goals. Thought, went away from that thinking both teams that were basically bottom four teams that season. And then, you know, six months later, we're in a grand final, less than a kick away from a premiership. Now, people will again say, oh, Collingwood lost another grand final. Bucks missed his chance to win a premiership there as a coach. Well, the fact we got into that position in the first place is downright incredible, and a lot of it is to do with him and... Next, I'll get on to his coaching side of things, I guess, uh, and we'll start with probably my favourite clip of Bucks as a coach. Collingwood will go in to the 2018 Grand Final, a famous victory on the back of this man here. I think when we look at it, we've got to acknowledge that the Collingwood coaching position is just a really difficult position to try and fill, uh, given the enormity of the footy club. But then you add into it the fact that you're taking over from Mick Malthouse, who's coming off a grand final and a premiership in the previous two seasons. And it was just going to be highly stressful, really, for Bucks and controversial, I guess, from the outset. And... The first few years, like, look, we were good in 2012, but I guess the question marks were how good of a coach did you need to be for that team to be good because we still had a great list from the 2010 Premiership, the 2011 Grand Final. I mean, I mean that 2011 season, I think, was probably, in terms of footy, probably the best uh, that I've seen the Collingwood Football Club play. Uh, I mean, as a kid, what was I... 14 at the time, he used to just rock up every weekend knowing we were going to win by 40-plus points. Like, that was just a fact of it. It was only when we came up against Geelong. We only lost to one team that season, the Cats, twice in the regular season, home and away season, and obviously the grand final. We, we lost to one team for the whole season. And then Bucks takes over, 2012. We were still good. Uh, we obviously lost in the prelim to the Swans. Uh, and then 2013, you know, we just slightly, you know, take a downward trajectory, I guess, and, you know, losing to Port Adelaide won the elimination final that year. And then we go into oblivion, really, where we go into a slight rebuild, where Bucks gets rid of a lot of players, and um, we just miss, miss finals for a few years. And I guess it really came to a point at the end of the, the 2017 season where it was likely that I think change was going to be made, but the club decided to stick fat and re-sign him and... As I said, I, I went to the the only game I went to that season in 2018 was the first game 
between Collingwood and Hawthorne round one. And uh, I remember early in the fourth quarter, the game was probably about 15, 20 point game at that point. And uh, I remember turning to just a random Hawthorne supporter in the crowd and we kind of both acknowledged to each other that what we were watching wasn't AFL football. It was more adjacent to under-16s footy, I guess. It, the quality was just downright atrocious. And I, as I said before, I, I walked away from it, you know, left the ground that night thinking Hawthorne are probably a bottom-four team and we just lost to them by five goals. Like, that was just an horrendous game of footy. Now, maybe I just... Maybe it was a reasonable game of footy and I just, you know, was off the mark because both teams ended up top four at the end of the season. But, yeah, it was, you know, the quality of it from, you know, the viewers' aspect was, was deplorable. And you can have that even when good teams are playing. But, I mean, it's the first round of the season. You want to see some positives. There wasn't any positives. And it just looked like it was going to be another disappointing Collingwood season and that Nathan Buckley was in some serious trouble. Uh, as he had been for the, you know the last season prior, so uh, I remember I even remember round two we had a chance against GWS at home at the MCG again, and uh, you know it got close. I think we lost by about ten points. You know it was respectable, but again it, it wasn't you know wasn't doing too much really in terms of taking the pressure off uh, Bucks and the Footy Club. And yeah, from from that point, I don't know how it happened. And at the end of the day. You know, a lot of people will look to um, you know, Gary Hocking and Justin Longmuir, who were there at the time, especially Longmuir, who, since he's left, the club's kind of gone back down into a downward trajectory. And a lot of people will point to those two and think they were the catalysts for you know the change at the Collingwood Football Club and turning things around. But it's hard to put a gauge on how much was them. But at the end of the day, Bucks is the senior coach and. The senior coach takes the hits when the club's performing badly, and I think at the same time, if that's going to happen, they've got to also take the praises when things start to turn around. So for me, even if it did have a lot to do with Longmuir and Hocking, even if it did, Bucks has still got to allow them to actually make the changes, I guess. Like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much impact they had, Bucks was still the senior coach. And he's going to take the praise for what was probably my most enjoyable season as a fan of the Collingwood Football Club, downright. I, I remember a Facebook post I wrote after the prelim against Richmond, which was probably the most exciting game I can recall watching. Uh, just the fact we were given kind of no chance and, and somehow came out and obliterated them, really. Um, I mean, the, the final... Uh, scoreline might probably do Richmond, you know, some favours, if anything. But I remember writing a post after that game against Richmond at the prelim. I said, win, lose, or draw next week in the grand final. This is the most enjoyable Collingwood season that I've ever witnessed. Because, as I said, 2010-2011, we had a a great list. Uh, And we had a great coach in Mick Malthouse. And we had just slowly been building, I guess, into being a real powerhouse over those two seasons, to being the best team over those two seasons. I think we were the best team on paper. I think we were one of the most well-coached. There was just no flaws in the team. We had a great midfield. We had a pretty decent forward line. You know, Trav Cloak was up and about, and we had a really solid defense. So, you know, not just from a personnel standpoint, but from, you know, team defense, you know, coaching standpoint uh, through Mick. So, 
we were just superior in 2010, 2011. And as I said, as a 13-, 14-year-old kid, I just, just used to rock up every week. And I wasn't nervous. I literally wouldn't be nervous because I just knew we were good enough to win by 40-plus points, especially 2011, as I spoke about before. Just used to rock up every weekend. You know, but I remember I look back on some of my Facebook memories of statuses that I wrote back then, and I'm flabbergasted at myself because... I would write, oh, that's a disappointing third quarter. Um, good response in the fourth, though, and a solid 74-point win. Like, a 74-point win, and there's something to be disappointed about. <laughs> like it, But that was kind of how good we were, is that we could still win games by that much and be slightly disappointed at a certain quarter or, or something that's happened. Like, that is how good we were. And uh, it's why the 2018 season is my most cherished season, I guess, as a fan of the Colin Football Club, is that we were terrible. We were downright terrible after the first two rounds. And still to this day, I don't know how it turned around. I, I don't. Uh, you know, obviously, the same personnel. I, I just, you know, it just went from absolutely, you know, complete darkness to all of a sudden just turning around. And I'm not sure at what point it, it ticked or it flicked the switch where I was kind of like, hang on a second. We're like good here, like we're we're somehow good. Uh, it must have been. It probably wasn't until later in the season. It probably wasn't until the prelim against Richmond where I was just like, "What?" Like it, I remember winning that game, and it just didn't sink into me. It didn't sink into me, and it's probably one of the most disappointing things from my point of view is I probably didn't enjoy Grand Final week as much as I should have as a fan because it kind of all went like a blur. I don't know the game went like a blur, but the whole week probably went like a blur because I was just like in absolute downright wonder at how we'd actually made the grand final. I had no clue. I remember just saying to people, I was like, we're playing in the bloody grand final this weekend. How? It, it was ridiculous. So for me, just that change, that dramatic change from being absolutely shit ass. Sorry about my language after round two, to being a kick off a premiership. Now, was the grand final extremely disappointing in the end result? Yes. Yeah, it was It was disappointing. We should have won. We had a five-goal lead in the first quarter. We should have won. And it looked like it was going to be the perfect season after you know after that first quarter. We were right on top. And, you know, things have happened. And it's it's funny. It's probably one of the downsides of Bucks' coaching careers is we always tend to start games pretty well. I mean, that's... I guess a credit to him and his motivation of his players, but then we just seem to die in the backside quite easily. Uh, and it's happened a few times this season, which is it's weird. But anyway, yeah, we lost the grand final. But to me, it's, you know, if you measure yourself on winning a premiership, then you're just going to be severely disappointed. I mean, are we going to say that since 1958, all but three Collingwood seasons have been a failure? Are we going to say that? Because if you say that, I just think that's marking yourself too hard. So to me, even though we won a premiership in 2010, and yes, 2010, 2011, that was the best that I've seen the Collingwood Football Club play football. But there's a difference between the best and the most enjoyable. And 2018 for me was the most enjoyable. And I give huge credit to Nathan Buckley for that. And yeah, it's it's a sad day that we've reached now where... We're halfway through the 2021 season, and this is going to be it, really. Uh, I mean, huge chance in 2018, 
2019, I thought were really good as well. I thought, you know, we had some times, you know, some down periods. But I remember going to that uh, that qualifying final against Geelong. They'd finished first, we finished fourth. I was super confident. I was like, I reckon we'll win this game, and we did. We won by about ten points. Another another one where we got off to a fast start, and you know, thankfully held on. Uh, and then obviously going to that GWS game, it was you know, we were heavy, heavy favourites, and um, to lose that game. Just severely disappointing. Severely disappointing for football, but given what happened the, the week after between Richmond and JBS, because Richmond kind of grand final would have been absolutely huge. But uh, but it's a, a sad day for the Collingwood Football Club, regardless of whether or not you think Bucks should have actually been coach of the Collingwood Footy Club. You can't ignore the contributions he's made to it over the past 25, nearly 30 years kind of thing. It's It's been... Absolutely incredible, uh, and even, I mean, mutual football fans, they might laugh at the fact that, you know, he took Collingwood from a, a premiership, you know, grand final team and took them back down the ladder kind of thing and, and whatnot, and that, I guess, was what made 2018 all the more sweeter, but there's people that bag out bucks for, you know, not winning a premiership and stuff, but I think in, when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it, I think most of the AFL world really respect him just as a person, regardless of what you think of him as a coach, regardless of what you thought of him as a player, I think most people in the AFL world, the way he handles himself in the media uh, is probably one of the best in terms of the coaches around the league. Uh, and I think most people have gotten to really respect him just as a person, you know, outside of necessarily the, the footballing uh, aspect of it, just the way that he, he treats others and the way that he treats the media and whatnot, I think uh, I think most people have come to really respect him. So I think there's going to be, you know, dare I say it, I mean, this sounds pretty silly, but I think there's actually going to be some sad uh, fans from other clubs, you know, if they watch on Monday, because when you see a person that's been so massive for a particular club uh, throughout a long period of time and you see that as, you know, that relationship coming to an end uh from a working standpoint it is uh yeah it's it's extremely sad so i just hope the boys I look i don't subscribe to a theory that oh the boys will just get you know up and about because it's his last game as coach i mean if the boys really wanted to get up and about they would have got up and about you know the whole of this season and prevented the situation from getting to this where he has to step down uh so yeah, I don't really subscribe to that theory, but I hope the theory comes into practice on Monday because he deserves a winning send-off uh, and for the boys to play for him and, yeah, play play really well, hopefully. It's, uh, yeah, pretty emotional, really, isn't it, at the end of the day? And I don't know. I, I Probably the last time I cried over a Colonial game was after I had about... A, dozen beers on grand final day in 2018 that's uh got pretty depressing late in the evening uh but uh who knows monday you might see some might uh see me with some tears because yeah i don't know the client football club without nathan buckley I, I don't and uh we'll have to try and navigate into a new uh aspect of of the football club as we move forward here so Hope that uh, everyone is dealing with it okay. Uh, it's good that everyone in Melbourne is out of lockdown now, so that's great. And uh, hopefully we can all send bucks off uh, probably at another time 
that's more suitable, I guess, that's at the MCG, because that's the other thing. It's disappointing that this game has to be at the SCG, and therefore he has to be sent off at the SCG. But I'm sure that uh, the Collingwood faithful will be able to send him off in the right way at the MCG sometime soon. But apart from that, guys, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Big Footy Podcast. Cheers.